0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. The Old Testament prophet Ezekiel was among the Jewish captives in Babylon. Ezekiel is given visions of angels, of the temple that was destroyed, dead bones being brought back to life, and visions of God. God declared Ezekiel to be a watchman over Israel to hear the words of the Lord, and to warn Israel of their iniquity. Ezekiel's job was to make sure there was a remnant of the faithful among the captives who would one day return to rebuild the nation of Israel. In chapter 33 of Ezekiel's book, Ezekiel speaks to Israel about what God's criteria is for judgment. Ezekiel says there are two kinds of people. The righteous person, who will be remembered for their righteousness, and the unrighteous person, who will be remembered for their evil. However, Ezekiel explains, one is not stuck in either of these categories. If a righteous person falls from his righteousness and does evil, then all of his righteous deeds are forgotten, and only his evil deeds are remembered, and he will be judged for the evil deeds." This is why Israel, the once righteous people of God, are now sitting in Babylonian captivity. On the other hand, if an evil person turns from his iniquity and does what is right, his evil deeds will be forgotten, and what righteousness he has done will be remembered, and he shall live. Ezekiel points out, quote, yet Israel says, the way of the Lord is not fair. What is fair in the eyes of Israel would be for God to consider the whole of what Israel has done before he passes down his judgment. For perhaps the good that Israel had done in the past would have been enough to make up for the evil they had done more recently. They see their current position as being unfair judgment. Israel, it seems, also thought that it's not fair that a history of unrighteousness and evil deeds should not be forgotten, but that God uh, would remember only the single act of charity that they did. This is the mindset of the Pharisees who did not forgive sinners who had repented. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus gives a parable about a landowner who needs help with his vineyard. So the landowner goes out and finds day laborers who he hires to help him day laborers in the ancient world had a hard life. they did not get consistent work and therefore they did not get consistent pay. The poverty of the day labor laborers was such that the Torah commanded that a day laborer be paid each day at sunset in Deuteronomy it says Each day you shall give a hired servant his wages, and not let the sun go down on it, for he is poor and has his heart set on it. The typical workday was around 12 hours, which started at sunrise and ended at sunset. And a denarius was the typical wage for such a day. The first hired are not lying when they say they have borne the burden and the heat of the 12 hour workday, It was hard work. When we hear this parable, we're tempted to agree with the laborers who were hired at the beginning of the day. These first laborers worked much longer, did more things, and were more productive than the laborers who only worked for one hour. When we think about it, we must admit, the first hired have a point. I see their argument and it makes sense to me. And the reason it makes sense is because we're thinking about the economics of what was done in the face of the scarcity of this world. We are doing the same thing Israel did in the time of Ezekiel. We are wanting God to see the list of good things we have done and to consider those things. For God to remember those things when he regards us. And if we have done more good things than bad things, then maybe will God, maybe God will love us more than if we did more bad things than good things. But this is not how the kingdom of heaven works. God does not keep a log of all the good and bad things we do. He is not sitting up in heaven thinking to himself, Billy over there, he's done five bad things this week, but he did 12 good things. So Billy is doing pretty all right. The kingdom of heaven just does not work this way. The parable that Jesus tells us this morning, and the point that Ezekiel is making to the captives of Israel is this. God cares less about where we came from, and he cares more about where we are heading to. God cares about the trajectory our soul is taking. This is what the Pharisees get wrong about the gospel, that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. This is why it was necessary for Israel to be sent into captivity. They were on a trajectory towards permanent idolatry. If God did not send them into captivity, there would not have been a faithful remnant to come back from Babylon to pave the way for the Messiah. That captivity changed the trajectory. It turned the evil Israel into a righteous one, dedicated to God. In the parable, the laborers are rewarded not for the work they have done, but for answering the call of the landowner and for being faithful to working in the vineyard until the end of the day. It is true that some of the laborers answered that call earlier and were faithful workers longer than others, but all the laborers were heading in the right direction by the end of the day, And therefore, they are all rewarded. The fact that God is more interested in our soul's trajectory rather than keeping a running log, a running tally of our good and bad deeds, is a great comfort to us. It gives us space to concentrate on doing the right thing instead of being caught up in how we have failed. We are given space to mess up and for it to be okay. It is like a parent watching their child learn to walk. The child will trip, the child will fall down, and the child will not be able to take more than a step or two. But the parent remains non-anxious because the parent knows the child is on the right trajectory to walking and will in time walk perfectly. We are the same way. We sin, we make mistakes, but God is our non-anxious parent. He is not concerned because he knows we are on the right path, and one day we will be without sin. As St. Paul puts it, I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. As you can tell by the purple, it is getting to be that time of year. We are getting closer to Lent, and in fact, today is the first day of the season we call pre-Lent, Pre-Lent is two and a half weeks of time the Church has given us to pray and make preparations that we might make this Lent a fruitful one. Pre-Lent is a time we have to ponder the trajectories of our own spiritual journeys and to make changes to them. In our epistle, St. Paul writes, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. The Holy Spirit is leading us into the spiritual arena and invites us to impose on ourselves a routine of spiritual disciplines so that our soul's strength might become greater. It is appropriate that we bear the burdens and the heat of the day in our labors. Lent provides us with a season of spiritual labor. Now is the time to spend in prayer, asking God to direct us in how to shape our Lenten disciplines. Remember, the goal of our disciplines is a right trajectory, not flawless success in keeping a fast. Martin Thornton exhorts Anglicans to construct a rule of life, a regimen of disciplines, such as setting aside specific times to pray, setting aside specific times in the week to fast, focusing on keeping our daily offices of morning and evening prayer, going to Mass regularly, and spending time in prayer with God that is not strictly formal. When we build our schedule around prayer, we are truly centering our lives around God. Thornton also says rules should change from time to time to meet us where we are in life. The rule we had last year may not be working this year. And it may be time to reconsider the rule and ask ourselves why it's not working anymore. The answers to these types of questions will help us to construct a new rule that will work better. We want to set out on the right trajectory. And if we have the right trajectory, we are safe to fail. The point of a Lenten fast is not to perfectly keep it. Remember that God is not concerned with the list of our failures with a fast. The point of the fast is to aid the growth of our souls. A Lenten discipline that we can perfectly keep is likely too easy and not doing much in growing us spiritually. Likewise, a fast that is too rigorous, one that we aren't able to keep, also will not do anything to help us grow spiritually. Taking time to consider the right fast for who we are and the place we are at is an important meditation for pre-Lent, and one we should have before God in prayer. Pre-Lent exists to help us prepare for Lent that will be best for us. And at the end of Lent, God will bless the fast we choose, whether we feel like we labored for 12 hours in the heat of the day, or whether we feel like our fast was an 11th hour effort. As St. Paul says, we do not run for a corruptible crown, but an incorruptible one. Our reward is our spiritual growth, and that is eternal. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.